0: From the palatial Mars Studios, in the Barony of Westermark, Principality of the Miss in the Kingdom of the West. I'm Countess Kettley, and this is Kettley's SCA Podcast. This week, we revisit a huge event, Pentick, and we also hang out at a very small Shire Archery event. We speak to brand new members and someone who started an AS2. Oh yeah. There are stories and songs this week. Let's start small in San Francisco. What's your SCA name?
1: The Honorable Lord Angus Duncan Cameron.
0: And you're running the event today?
1: Third year in a row, yes.
0: What event is this?
1: This is Debarchery, which is a play on words. For for the Shire of Kundara, it means bardic and archery.
0: <laughs> Do
1: we shoot at the bards? No, but we have, during the fun games, occasionally assassinated the, the, the royalty or the, or the seneschal. <laughs>
0: Don't tell anybody. There's no royalty here today, so we're okay. Yeah,
1: but that means I'm the target.
0: (laughs) What happened this morning before everybody got here?
1: Well, we did all our setup for the range because we have a fun shoot in the morning, which has a theme every year based on the Bardic Champion. So this year's theme is Nordic Monsters. We're in San Francisco in Golden Gate Park at the Archery Field, and it's always a beautiful sight. Today, there's absolutely no fog for a change. The uh, sun's coming out not very nicely, and uh, I expect a beautiful day today. What's your SCA name? So
2: Miriam is both my Monday name, and I'm keeping for SCA. Oh, so. I see. How long have you been playing in the SCA for? Uh, just under a year. I've known about it for a long time. I've had friends who are Rennies who knew about yep. it and told me about it, and it's one of those things uh, I worked next to where they used to do their meetings, and I, I always thought after work, I should go check it out. I should go check it out, and, of course, it took me, you know, 15 years of saying that to myself to go check it out. Where do you live? Yes, I live you. here in, in San Francisco, in Klundara, So, Clundara oh, is an interesting
0: little shire,
2: yes? <laughs> it's very small, you know, it's, it's hard to do local events in San Francisco, of course. So.
0: Did, you do, did you help set up this event at all?
2: Yes. Yeah, what? I've been here since. Actually, I think it was the first one here. What did so. you do? I helped, well, actually, I helped paint targets. I helped put up the targets. Um, I've been helping set up the shades.
0: Do you do archery at all?
2: I've tried it a couple times. I wouldn't say I really do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like my very first shot, hey, that was pretty good. And then the next one, not so
0: good. <laughs> Are you doing any barding today? No, I'm not really a
2: performer as much as I wish I was. So
0: you're just here looking fabulous.
2: Yeah, just, just enjoying the, the company of, of fun people.
0: It was a really fun day, too. And I was lucky to snag an interview with an SCA legend, Sir John. What's your SCA name?
3: Sir John Fitzroy.
0: What was your first event? Twelfth Night AS2. How did you find out about the SCA?
3: Total random chance. I was living in San Jose and there was a wedding invitation. Louise Perrin, she was getting married to Steve, who happened to be Count Stefan Rain, and their wedding was at Twelfth Night. So I attended that and I've been with the SCA ever since.
0: Where did you meet your wife?
3: Renfair. uh Duke Paul of Bellatrix actually introduced us.
0: What was the first tournament you went to?
3: May event at the airplane field in Tilden Park. Authorization where you put on a burrowed great helm filled with about two inches of foam rubber. One size fits all. And also the sweat of everyone else before you. You were given a shield. I got killed in the first, my first fight. But mm-hmm. I, I liked it so much that I just kept after it. When did you become a knight? Uh, I, it was actually in Aitenvelt. The uh, current king, Stefan de Lorraine, and the crown prince, Stephen Black Eagle, went down to Aitenvelt because they were just becoming a kingdom. And after a series of long fights with Duke Henrik of Han, I was very much, to my surprise, knighted.
0: You're a pelican and a laurel? How did that all happen?
3: Well, the pelican, I was the first kingdom sciences officer. And we set up college and other things, and service to the kingdom as master of sciences. I actually, at that time, I was doing armoring. I also provided the first easily accessible helmets in the society, the notorious Freon drum helms.
4: Oh, that was you, huh?
3: Yeah. I worked originally for my brother in a refrigeration shop. One day, while reading through an armor book on the history of armor, I looked at a stack of used Freon drums. Literally, the little light bulb came on over the head. You know, if I cut the bottom of one of those off and cut a T-slot in the front of it and put some bars on it, that would make a helmet. And they just happened to fit Army Surplus helmet liners for military helmets which made a very comfortable fit in air ventilation and everything else. So I started using up our drums because they were now had become non-returnable, turning them into helmets and selling them for, I think, 20 bucks or something like that. And the original ones were about an eighth of an inch thick, and they were for high-pressure vessel.
0: You had a mace, too, at one point, right?
3: Yeah, a very big mucking mace built on a sledgehammer handle, with a about a 12-inch long head rolled up of carpet with a jean leg over that and a two-pound fishing weight at the other end as a counterbalance. I kind of introduced the need for chin straps. I swung a dropping blow, which rose, and I hit something, and then I'm bringing it back down, and everyone is screaming, hold, but it was too late. What I thought was him sticking his head up was just the helmet which had lifted halfway up his head, and I then drove back down on top of his oh. head. He wasn't hurt. But still. After that, we started requiring chin straps.
0: Not only did I get a chance to chat with Sir John, I also had an opportunity to check out a weapon I'd only ever read about. And what's your SCA name? Bridget O'Connor. What do you have here today?
5: I have an Adel and an Adeladdle art. And you're going to let us try it? <laughs> Absolutely. They are so much fun. A lot of times adolatel is called channeling your inner cave in. The adalattles are really neat, though. They predate the bow and most cultures by 50 years. And they're not complicated. They're really simple to use. And they were used as hunting in groups and stuff like that. So, is there a particular culture that you've been studying who used the adalattle? Not in particular. The Romans found some evidence that they existed in what we call modern-day Rome, as early as like 400 A.D., well, I've been in the West for eight years now, but I spent eight years out in Meridi's And out there, um, the ato are really big because anyone can use them. It's a stick and a long, dowel-looking thing. You know, they're not complicated to use, they're not complicated to teach. So because they're so inclusive, it's re- they're a real popular thing out there. Can you use them in war? Is there like a war version of them? Like there are for bow and arrows? Not that I know of yet. I think the closest thing to the war version we have is the short javelins. Um, so not yet, and part of that I think is because of just the velocity that can be channeled through the stick. Like I said these were used by early hunters, and they would take down tribes of people, would take down mammoths and large game with these. So I'm not quite sure how that would transcend to to war. Have you shot this before? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited to watch later. Yay! Thank you. I'm excited to have you come out and look, and you can try it too. It's it's like I said, it's not complicated. It's just little practice. So fun. So
0: I did mention stories and songs. And to revisit with Penzik. And we're going to start our chat with an armor storyteller, creator of the Viking Home Companion, friend of the podcast.
6: Uh, Torvald son. So, this story is known as Half Dan's New Longboat. It got its start actually from just sitting around the campfire with my household, Dark out there in the West Kingdom, where we would, you know, shoot the breeze at night telling stories, singing songs, but occasionally we would also, you know, tell jokes about the Norsemen. And eventually those jokes all just lined up for me and became a whole story. So, here is the story that launched the whole series. You know, it's been quite a while since I've been back to my old home village of Skognera. Been out to Viking, you know. So I decided to go back, hook up with my good buddy Sven, and catch up on all the doings. And as we hook up there, we decided to go up into town there, and I noticed that there was a new longhouse up on the edge of town. So I go, hey Sven, what's with the new longhouse there? Somebody new move into town? He says, nah, that's just a new berserker longhouse, see? And we keep all the berserkers up in there now. Whatever it takes to keep them happy, we send it to them. If they want beer, we send them beer. If they want food, we send them food. If they want women, we send them more beer. And I go up there and I look and you know they got the door closed. And there's this bar across the outside of the door. And right up above it, there's this little sign that says, in case of war, break bar. And I noticed there was a whole lot of noise coming from inside there too. And I go, hey Sven, what's with all the noise there? And he goes and looks into the window and he says... Oh, they're just having an axe catching contest. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> so you mean they're having an axe throwing contest? He says, "No, oh, they're having an axe catching contest." Oh, ow! Um, whoa! Um, Harold just missed there. Oh, that is going to leave a scar, and that is not a pretty sight. So we decided to head down into town after that. <laughs> and as we were heading on down there, we saw a whole lot of people hanging out down by the fjord. So. We decided to go over and take a look and see what they are all looking at there, and Half Dan had gotten himself a new longboat. And he was so happy with this new longboat, although he was a little sketchy in the details of how he got it. Something along the lines of the old owner don't need it no more, yeah, sure, you betcha. Now, I have to admit that it was a pretty nice longboat, you know. There was a little fire damage up on one end and a few axe blows on the side there, but other than that, it was in really good shape. But I also noticed that it had about 30 oars to a side there. And, you know, that's more able-bodied men than we got in the whole village to be able to row it. Although nobody was going to say anything to Vig, you know, to to Half Dan. Although, you know, Vig laughed. He did start to say something, but a little foot-to-foot communication and a quick swim in the Fjord, and he quieted right down. (laughs) Well, maybe he didn't quiet right down, because we weren't too far out the winter, and the Fjord was mighty cold, and he wasn't too happy about taking no ice water bath. But he didn't say anything to Halfdan, and that's the good thing. So anyway, like I said, you know, Halfdan, he's pretty happy about this new longboat of his, and he decides he wants to go oar dancing. Now, that's a problem, because like I said, that's more oars there than we got people to manage. So we piled the whole village into the boat, all except the berserkers. We kept them up there in their longhouse. Well, we piled the whole village into the boat, and we're all hanging onto the oars on just the one side there. And in some places, we got two and three kiddies to an oar, hoping they can kind of just hold it down. Well, anyway, he goes and he jumps out of the back of the boat. He lands on the oars. He runs up the side of the boat. He jumps in the front of the boat, and he goes to jump off on the other side. And we all let go of the oars on the one side. We're running to the other side and trying to get the oars out before he jumps off the front of the boat, and we don't make it. And he lands right down there in the water, right next to Viglaf. And he wasn't no happier about taking a nice water bath than Viglaf is, I can tell you that. <laughs> about that time, we decided it was a good idea to go back up into town because nobody wanted to be there when Halfdan came up out of the <laughs> He may not be a berserker, but he ain't all that far off, neither. <laughs> well, that's the story from the village of Skognear, and I'll let you know the next time I go back for a visit. Yeah, sure, you betcha.
0: The Viking Home Companion. Thank you so much, Torvald. I know he's been selling the CDs at Penzik, but I think if you do a search, you should be able to find ways to buy it. Hilarious. So our last chat is with Bard Thomas Bordeaux, who's been playing at Penzik all week. Well, how's Penzik week two?
1: Overwhelming. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> there's so many people here and there's so many classes and there's so much stuff going on. Have you been doing any more busking? Continue to have intermittent rain, so that has uh, limited opportunities a little bit. Also, you know, week two, there are a lot more barns here, so there's a lot more busking going on. It's a little bit more difficult to find a good spot.
0: Some competition out there,
1: eh? Just a touch. Bards <laughs> from all over their known world. Wow, that's really cool, though. I think that's neat. Right behind me, Lady uh, Aya, who was for a while the of bard of North Shield. Mistress Fiona, who was of bard of the East twice, are having a conversation What about kingdom bards. They're right behind me right now at the other end of this very pavilion I'm standing in because it just started raining like 30 seconds ago.
0: I can hear the rain, too, pitter-pattering. Right. Oh, listen to
1: that. It's nice, though. It, it's, it's, it's cooler today. Um, because there's more rain. We haven't. We had this cycle last week where we'd have rain in the morning and then scorching heat, so it was like living in a sauna. But this <laughs> week's been a little nicer. We either don't have any rain or we have a little rain and a little cloud cover, so it never gets quite as sweltering as it was before.
0: Have you taken any classes?
1: I have. Today I took an excellent class from Mistress Adelaide de Beaumont on historical research for bards.
0: Um, because I love to eat. Can you tell me about a memorable meal that you've had this week?
1: Oh, okay. So, so they have this food court, right? And it's a bunch of vaguely allied merchants. There's the Beast and Boar. There's Medieval Munchies. There's the Bread Bowl House. Gifts from Far Cafe, which is uh, has Chinese food. I had the the breaded cod. And penzic potatoes at the beast and Bore. That was pretty darn tasty.
0: The penzic potatoes. Penzic
1: mm. potatoes, which <laughs> I think are like little yellow potatoes that have been peeled and then seasoned and kind of um, sauteed in a skillet till they're soft. They are quite delicious.
0: They're, they've got a reputation. I always look forward to them. <laughs> ah, okay. Um,
1: I went on a walk. I went down around the lake, down into the swamp, not as far as what they call the bog. And then I came back up Runestone Hill and the Runestone Path just as it was getting into to full nighttime. And it was just gorgeous. You know, there are some things you're only gonna see at Friendship. And that's one of them. It was fantastically beautiful.
0: We're always so happy to have Thomas on the podcast. And this is from his album, which I bought on Amazon. It's called The Prodigal Bard. Thomas Bordeaux, buy it. It's great, it's totally affordable. Or support him on patreon.com slash TMSBRDO. This is called Hastings 1066.
4: We sailed away across the treacherous chapel to confront the usurper, the promises old, to take England's crown or to die in the battle, that the Duke should be king as King Edward foretold. Twelve hours in ships. As the wind blew us onward, to the white cliffs of Dover, and then to the shore. We saddled our horses, and struck out for Hastings, where the priest told us that there was land we could hold. So ride, 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 ride. ride. good knights of Normandy, <laughs> ready your weapons and penance so bold. Carry the Pope's banner onward before you, and England will fall before <laughs> the winter turns cold. At Hastings, we waited for Harold in battle and sent him a message. This downfall foretold Duke William has sworn he will hear your death a rattle and take all of England to have and to hold. Now, just two weeks before, at a bridge up in Stamford, King Harold had sent his own brother below. But now he faced William's knights, armored for battle and caught us as though he was shot all in stone. So ride, ride, ride. ride. good knights of Normandy, ready your weapons and then so bold. Carry the Pope's banner onward before you, and England will fall before the winter turns cold. King Harold was dead, and his army was shattered. As we marched out of Hastings, For old London town we circled that city for two weeks unceasing then marched into London to see William crowned but we would from the north the resistance is forming with traitors and rebels to Duke William's crown we'll ride down upon them and cut them back quickly and return here to London for the snow hits the ground. So ride, ride, good knights of Normandy, ready your weapons, and penance so bold. Carry the pope's banner run would be for you, and England will fall before the winter turns cold. Ride, ride, good knights of Normandy, ready your weapons, and penance so bold. Carry the pope's banner run would be for you, and England.
0: 1066, Thomas Bordeaux from the album Prodigal Bard, patreoncom brdo From the Palatial Mars Studio, in the barony of Westermark, Principality of the Miss in the Kingdom of the West. I'm Countess Kettley, and this is Kettley's SCA Podcast.